it goes on the overlap. Kalou's waiting in the centre. Here's Ferreira. Pull back to Yossi Benayoun. And Benayoun gets his opening Chelsea goal. This is the Milk, Honey and Football Podcast. Here are your hosts, Raphael Geller and Jesse Forstott. Hey guys, welcome back to episode three of season two here of Milk, Honey and Football. Back again with Raphael for, uh, for another episode. Um, Raphael, how you doing? Doing very well, man. Lots been going on uh, in the national team front. Not as much in the Premier League front. Uh, you know, the season's two weeks away, but still teams aren't making that many moves. It's a bit surprising. But a lot's been going on the national team front. And, of course, we have our Israeli teams in Europe who some journeys will come to an end this week and some will hopefully continue. Right, so that's pretty much a, a summary right there of what we're going to talk about in this episode. Um, just because there's been a lot going on really on two fronts with the national team and then with the Israeli teams in Europe. So we'll, for those of you who may have missed the, the results, none of which were uh, particularly good for the three Israeli clubs that are in the third round of Europa League qualifying, um, Maccabi drew uh, Punic, an Armenian club, uh, at home, which wasn't a great, wasn't really a great result. Nil nil. Um, Hapoel Haifa took a beating from Atalanta, four uh, one, and then Beersheva drew Hapoel Nicosia two two. So I mean, I guess it's not too much to say about Hapoel Haifa. It's pretty expected. They scored an opener, which was pretty cool, and they were actually winning for five minutes. But um, you want to give us your rundown, Raphael? Your reaction to those three? matches how you think they played and maybe look forward to the return leg in all three yeah we start with the Paul Haifa um they got off to a good start they got way too comfortable and they got stung two goals in two minutes and the rest after that um you know it was it was over so um yeah, it's disappointing, but not surprising. A much, much stronger team who's been doing really well in Italy the last few years, uh, especially the last couple of years. So Apollo Haifa gave a good start. I think, like I said, they just got way too excited by the first goal. And the rest, after that, they lost their focus. And you can't lose your focus against a team like that. Uh, that said, uh, it's still good that they made it to the third round. It's not bad. Um, most of the team has stayed this year. Obviously, their two strikers have left, and Samuel Scheiman's left, and Hanan Maman left last year in January. So they have had some losses. They brought in the Greek striker that we talked about earlier. So I still hope that they're a team that will be in the top because they had a really nice season last year, but uh, could be that a little of that sophomore slump. I don't think they'll be as nearly as good as they were. Last year, in the term that they were in first place until around November, I think. Um, but they should be competing in the top, in the league, you know, in the top eight, something like that. Moving on to the Maccabi game, uh, I think that was the most disappointing match of the night, just because you didn't expect, you know, Apollo Haifa to have such a great result. It's not, it's not necessarily, you know, it wasn't. Uh, it, they weren't playing someone with with the same uh, type of level as them where it was kind of split on this side. Maccabi were huge favorites against Pionic. Um, it's true that the football in, in um, Armenia has gotten better over the years. That is true. I've read a lot about it. But still, there's no, there's uh, under no circumstances 
um, should Maccabi Tel Aviv not be winning a match like this? Doesn't matter if it's at home or away. This match, of course, was away. Um, you know the 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 budgets of these teams are are you know some, maybe the best players are um, are earning two three thousand euro a month max, um, and. From what from what I understand, last year they they barely made it. This team barely made it to Europe as well. So this is even one of the stronger teams in Armenia, which is even more uh, kind of shocking if you think about it. Uh, they did produce Henrik Mkhitaryan. <laughs> for what it's worth, they did. They did. Um, they have two two Ivory Coast players, and the most are, are domestic Armenians, a couple Russians, and players from the region. But uh, I find it very, very hard that Maccabi won't score goals on Thursday at home. Um, yeah, no, I think there'll be a decent crowd. Not a great crowd, but a decent crowd. But I think it's more interesting, actually, Jesse, it's more interesting to talk about what happens if if they do uh, not score a goal, if they do get knocked out by this team, um, I think it would be catastrophic. I think that's the right word to Israeli football in terms of so many things, whether it's the coefficient, whether it's the state of Israeli football, whether it's the state of Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israeli football. Um, it would go down maybe as one of the most embarrassing losses in the two legs in the history of Israeli football. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. I would, I would say, ninety percent chance, ninety-five percent chance it won't happen. But football is not like basketball. It's not like uh, you know an NBA team playing a college team. Anything can happen. I think you know we saw from the second leg in Serbia that Maccabi lost its focus in that match. They kind of thought it was over in the first leg. One of the problems with Maccabi playing a lot of these teams in Europe is that they're just playing teams with so such smaller budgets, such, you know, such smaller everything that they sometimes, I don't know if I want to say they don't come focused because I'm not in the dressing room. I can't, I don't know that. But in terms of what I see from watching, um, they just don't look that focused. Uh, and, you know, I think if we were interviewing the coach right now, Vidic, you would also say the same thing. It was a very poor performance. Doesn't matter if it was in Armenia. Um, they should do much better, much, much better. Um, and, uh, what can I say? I, I, you know, I hope for, for everyone's sake that they get by because we need them to be in Europa League. It's very important for Israeli football, but, um, I don't know the, I don't know what to say. It's, it's, we (laughs) will find out very, very soon. It's only a few days away. Yeah. I was going to say for those of you keeping track at home we're going to watch second leg all three of those all three teams play their second leg on Thursday so that's that's when you can check back in to see how see how this all plays out um I don't know anything any other points Raphael on uh on the second leg I mean well I'm, I'm sorry that was it from Maccabi uh I mean yeah I think uh that that, that I mean uh Elio Renatar is injured it's a big blow to them. He has some There's issues in his meniscus. Sorry? I was just saying he scored a couple of their goals so far. In yeah, he's, he's had a really good start. Uh, Kjartansson is – no one really knows what's going on there. The team is 
really trying to sell him, but then they're not playing him. So it's a bit of a, that doesn't make a lot of sense. There's lots of rumors that he's told his teammates and friends and family or whatever you want to say, whenever the media says that a player is told his close associates, whatever that means, um, that he's going to be going to the, the championship this week on loan, but waiting for Maccabi's answer and whether they approve of that. Uh, if Maccabi were to do that, it would strictly be for financial reasons uh, to get his salary off the books. Um, I'm guessing the championship team would either pay for all of it or most of it. But um, Aaron Schoenfeld has been playing. Uh, I, he's looked okay. I think he needs to be a little sharper, but I, I really like him. I've always been a big fan of him. Um, yeah, I think there should be no problem. You have a few, you know, minimum four or 5,000 fans come to Natania, root for Maccabi. I, I think, it, you know, they score the first goal and it's probably over. Uh, but I don't know. Things, you know, if, if it stays nil-nil, it goes to extra time. Then it could go to PKs. And as we saw from this summer in the World Cup, crazy things can happen in football. Like, football is like no other sport. You can't just expect to show up and win. you got to actually score the goals. It's not just like in basketball where you, you can just still have a bad shooting night but still win. So I think they're going to be training really hard this week. I think they realize – how many like things come down, you know, it's, it's extremely crucial for the financial aspect of Maccabi playing in Europa league group stages generates minimum four to 5 million euro. So, uh, that's a huge amount of money. That's almost, you know, 20 million shekel. So, uh, the players realize that the coach realizes it, what it would mean for him and his job that if he doesn't get by. So yeah, bottom line is that I expect Maccabi to get through, but we gave some of the listeners some ideas of what kind of, madness there would be uh in Maccabi if they did not and what's your take on Beersheba and their 2-2 draw um against the the Cypriot Apoel Nicosia for those of you again who didn't uh who didn't follow along for their first leg what, what did you take away from that match and what do you think about their their prospects going into the second leg I think uh, that it was not also the best result. Uh, Paul McCarthy have been playing. It's worth adding. Yeah, yeah, they, they haven't been playing well in Europe at all. They've they've lost to the champions of Lithuania, which knocked them out of Champions League. Then they barely got by the champions of Estonia in the second round, which actually uh, Bersheva played in the second round of the or the, was it the first round of their Champions League qualifier? So a lot of teams coming together here, um, but. Yeah, it wasn't a good result. They're not playing well. There's no doubt about it. Um, they're not playing well. You know, with the, with, with the way that things are going, um, the way things have happened this summer with, you know, the craziness of signing the goalkeeper and then wanting to release him and then bringing Ariel Kharush in. Uh, just there's been a lot of madness trying to get rid of uh, Korhart, the left back, who's still actually there. He was supposed to sign in in Cyprus with Ronnie Levy's club, but it, that did not work out. Um, he's still there. Peckhart's been, you know, been proposed to a ton of player, uh, clubs all summer. They can't get him out. Cuenca, they've just bought out. Um, yeah, it's not been a good summer for Beresheva, to say the least. Tony Nawakema is in Turkey right now as we speak. All media reports in Turkey suggest it's a done deal. Um, there's a very big part to that deal, which I think is interesting to our viewers. It might un- want to try and understand why 
uh, Beersheba would be letting him go. And this one word is taxes. Basically, when you are a foreigner and it goes and you, it's your fifth year in Israel, uh, the tax rate dramatically changes. And so Tony was telling the club that, you know, he wants to get paid the net amount of money that they agree, agreed on, obviously. But in order to do that, Beersheba had to significantly increase the gross amount. Um, and rumors are that um, the the deal would be around a million euro. So that's over four million shekel. And his salary is pretty high as well. Um, let's just say in the hundreds of thousands net. Uh, so that means in gross, it's, it's much more. So... Uh, they have a, a chance, you know, to uh, to really get a lot of money for it. And again, according to reports, it seems like he um, hasn't really been that happy uh, in training. And this is no secret. I mean, we all remember last summer a club in China were willing to give him a ridiculous salary. Um, and and Beersheba, I don't want to say begged him to stay. That's not the right word, but convinced him to stay. Take not take the offer in China, which is a was a ridiculous salary offer, and I might add a pretty good transfer fee for Besheva, because at that point they were really counting on making the Champions League, and they really believed that they could do it. Um, as everyone could remember, they they lost uh, to Maribor by one goal in the final round, and they didn't they didn't end up doing it. But they wanted to keep him because this was a little bit before that. This was in the second and third round that this happened. But that's a huge thing if he leaves. That's a huge thing. He's been the best player in Besheva now for the last three years. No doubt about it. John Ogu, a close second. But in terms of putting up numbers and things like that, he's been the man to do it. Um, the defense is a mess. Miguel Vitor has been injured, and uh, it's unclear when he's going to come back. He's had so many knee injuries. When he's played, he's been the best center back in Israel, if not one of the best center backs we've ever had in Israel. But he's so many issues. The Israeli players just haven't put a good performance yet in Europe, to be honest. Um, Shir Tzedek, who was suspended famously by UEFA last year, by FIFA last year, is struggling to get back into things which again is no surprise when you don't play a competitive match uh, in 10 months um yeah i don't know it's it's been a it has been a pretty rough summer for all the israeli clubs to be honest to say the least there hasn't been a lot of good news but that said i'm sure a lot of Beersheba fans will travel to nicosia it is an hour flight i've done it before in fact i actually was at a game i believe in the summer of 2014, yeah, it was the summer of 2014 because it was during the war, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv game against Maribor in the second or third round of Champions League. And there were way over a thousand Maccabi fans, if not a couple thousand. So I don't know if that many will go since this is Europa League, but a lot of I expect a lot of Beersheba fans to go to the match uh, on Thursday and give support. You know, away goals are crucial. It's two to two now, so nil nil. A pole advance, but I suspect with both of the defenses really struggling this summer, there'll be goals. Let's just hope it's on uh, the Cypriot side and that Besheva scores. Um, Tony Newakema, no matter what, is still expected to play in this game and then kind of bid farewell after the game. It's expected to be his final game, so they will have him for it. Um, he's expected to come back to Israel, play in this game, and then leave for Turkey after that. That's part of the deal as of right now. Um, yeah, Ben Ben Sahar is, is should be playing. Uh, he hasn't had the greatest start to the summer yet, so it'd be good to see him 
you know, play play a little uh, better. They really need him right now. And that's uh, basically it. To, just to a little few other things that Toto Cup's been going on. Uh, soon we'll know he'll be in the semifinals. The season is two and a half weeks away. Um, no, Maccabi Haifa haven't made that big change since we've last had a show. Maccabi Tel Aviv have not made any serious changes since we last had the show. And Bersheva haven't really made, except maybe they signed Ariel Kharush, uh, the national team goalkeeper, and another national t- team goalkeeper, Guy Chaimov, went to Maccabi Haifa. Uh, no significant foreigner signings. Apollo Tel Aviv signed a young Ivory Coast uh, center back from second division Finland. Uh, it's been a strange summer in Israel. It's been a strange summer with the with some of the transfers. Uh, I guess n- not a lot of transfers, mostly just free signings. But um, it's pretty quiet right now. One last thing I guess I could say is there's a high-tech multimillionaire trying to buy Beitar Jerusalem from Eli Tabib. That's ongoing. That will happen tomorrow. Uh, Dia Saba update for all our fans and listeners is that he's, as of right now he's still staying leading goal scorer of last year. That's good for Israeli football if he can stay. That's bad for Israeli football as well that he's staying. Um, that's basically it on the on the uh, Premier League and European front. I think it's uh, I know we have yeah, we have, I know we have about ten minutes left to talk about the national team. Yep. Yeah, that's a good segue. Obviously what Rafael was referring to is not great for Israeli football if one of the best Israeli footballers is staying in the Israeli league when they when he could have an opportunity to, you know, go play in a more competitive one. Um, so yeah, so everyone just look look out for the second legs of those matches on Thursday. I'm sure Raphael and I will be tweeting about them. So we're, the last portion of the show, what Raphael was referring to and what he was starting to talk about there as a national team. Um, obviously, the big the big news in Israel is um, a manager has finally been appointed. Um, it's definitely been a long time coming and I guess his nationality is no surprise an Austrian Andy Herzog who some American uh, football aficionados might might be familiar with his name because he's he coached under um, Jurgen Klinsmann and he has coached various uh, of the U.S. youth national teams I think up through U20 um, he was a legend for the Austrian national team when he was a player he played in the Bundesliga for a while um, so what's what's the reaction been in Israel, Raphael, to his signing? I think it was maybe a little surprising. He's pretty young, um, hasn't actually, you know, he hasn't coached a, f- a senior national team. Um, I know he spent some time with Austria, but I don't think he was ever their full time. He's never their full time manager. Um, so what's what's the reaction been to bringing in Herzog from from everybody in Israel? And and what do you what was your personal take on it? Well. It wasn't that surprising if you take a look back and see that, um, you know, Willie Reinsenter, who's the new technical director, is Austrian. Um, and what's interesting is a lot of media reports uh, said that he was kind of pushing the IFA uh, group, who was kind of running the coaching search, to be the head coach. Um, at one point, because he's served as interim boss at a lot of diff- in a lot of different times for the Austrian national team, and he's done a little coaching himself. But Israel was not into that, as you could probably imagine, because they want kind of more of a name and someone more established as a coach. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's hard to say. To be really honest, it's hard to judge. Um, 
In terms of Israeli candidates, I think the best one would have been Nir Klinger. But, you know, he's had success and he's had a lot of success as a coach, but he's also had a few question marks as a coach. Um, he clearly knows how to motivate his players. He clearly has a good eye for talent. I mean, we saw that with the team he built with Apol Haifa. But I think it comes down a little bit more to think maybe just wanting to try something different. Uh, you know, there's always times where the Israeli coaches get a lot of criticism from the media and from the fans that they only pick players based on who their agent is and who the agent's clients are and things like that. And I think people are kind of tired of having that talk and wanted to go with someone who honestly will probably be very neutral in his selections of who he's going to pick because, you know, I mean, for all, he's foreigner at the end of the day. And uh, he is just going to watch football and decide the players based on that. And I don't always buy the whole thing about the agents uh, contributing to who the players are, but it's a big thing that, people like to talk about with him coming in you can't really talk about that he's going to pick the best players uh he's going to give a lot more attention than i think guys playing in europe that over the years there's no reason why they weren't playing like almo cohen during the gutman era just didn't play didn't get called up like no in, during the second term during the euros uh term for no reason I mean, he was playing every week in the bundesliga too and he wasn't getting called up um, we've talked about this on the show before. It is a very difficult job. Uh, right now, it's a very, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of good, I don't want to say good players because I don't mean to offend it. There's a lot of good players, actually, but there's no one playing at a high level. That would be the best way to put it. Um, Tomer Khamed is it's very unclear where, where his direction is going. I still think he's a great player, but he needs to be playing, you know. I'm talking about players playing every week. He needs to be playing. Uh, Baram Kayal didn't start yesterday in the Premier League. I thought that was a bit interesting. I'm hoping that that's not an issue all season because usually, you know, we don't see a lot of substitutions in his position. You usually see more attacking players get subbed unless there's injuries. Um, so I hope he gets to start more. As long as Munoz Dabur stays in the Austrian League that he's just 20 times better than, it's not good for the national team. Uh, Bibris Nacho going to Olympiacos is good. But uh, it would have been nice to see him in a better league because I think he's more than capable of doing it. Uh, but still, I think Olympiacos is a, a very big club. So it'll be good to see what he does there. But the bottom line is it's hard to, to tell. You know, It's hard to rate my thoughts on it because we need to see what he does with the team, with his first couple call-ups. Is he going to build a foundation? Is he going to call guys up that you know people are going to not understand why he's calling up and he's going to say, look, I'm calling them up because... We need to start just playing with 20-year-olds, you know, and no matter what the result is, we need to just keep with them. Uh, is he going to switch the team every every time, which is what Alicia Levy did last time. He all, I think, you know, he broke the record for most players he called up. He was always switching the team. He would decide not to play Tomer Chemed. Tomer Chemed wasn't good enough for him, even though he was playing every week in the championship. Um, sorry, in the Premier League. Sorry, in the Premier League at that point last year. Yep. So it's, we got to see what he's going to do with the team. It's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, look, he was part of the staff that failed in bringing the U.S. to the World Cup. Um, he was part of that group as a whole, whether he's U23. He's still part of the, what can I say, of the, of the base of the United States. At the same time, that U.S. 
group also did some good things while he was there, as you would probably recall, Jesse. There were some there were some good times in the Clinton era. The end was very bad, but there were some good times. There were some good results. Um, he's a young coach. He has the respect of the technical director. They're going to work really well together, which is important. Um, it'd be kind of random if you bring an Austrian tech director and then hire, I don't know, a Spanish guy. I mean, those guys need to work together the most, more than anyone else. Bottom line is, I don't really know. I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. A lot of Israelis were upset about it. It's like the Yal Berkovich just said that, what does he know? And again, uh, I'll do this really briefly because I guess most of the people listening to our show know that he scored a huge goal as an Austrian player in 2001 that kept us out of uh, the playoffs of the uh, 20, 20, sorry, 2002 World Cup playoffs, um, the goal against Austria in the 93rd minute that he scored. And he had some comments where he said he hoped the Palestinians were rooting for Austria. And he also said in an interview 10 years ago that Israel was a hostile place to play in. Um, you know, sometimes Israelis are a bit too sensitive to things. It is a bit strange with those things that have happened in the past, but they are in the past. They were a long time ago. Clearly, I, the way I look at things is clearly if he was willing to take the job, he has nothing against Israel politically or anything like that. An anti-Israel person doesn't doesn't take the Israel national team job. Roger Waters from Pink Floyd is not going to take is not going to play in Israel because he want, has a, you know a boycott against Israel. So I think the the player was young. This was a long time ago. Um, he might have made some stupid comments. He might have grown up since then. And clearly, I'm sure he was asked about the comments and the interviews that he had, which I'm sure he had multiple. So I'm personally, as myself, I'm willing to let it go. Um, and I'm willing to give him a little time to judge him because I don't think we can judge him right away. I want to, you know, we have games coming up in a few weeks, Jesse. So right, right around the corner. Um, he's actually having a press conference in Israel tomorrow, which means he's in Israel right now. Um, him and Willie, the technical director. I'm sure he'll be going to a ton of matches the next yeah, few weeks. Be, which that was about to be my one question quickly, Raphael. Is how you, you mentioned is he going to be playing young players? I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see. I guess we'll follow along, or maybe you'll be able to tell us more about how he's able to like pick up on on a 20 year old Israeli that's playing, you know, on a club that he uh, three weeks ago had never even heard of. You know. Like, how is, right. how is he going to fit in to that? Like, how is he going to, you know, maneuver his way around Israeli football? And he has a lot to learn yeah. in a short period of time to make his selections. Yeah, there's also a huge thing about is Zahavi going to be welcomed back to the national team? Everyone remembers what happened um, against Macedonia when he threw the armband and retired briefly after his retirement came after he got banned. So, you know, new things happen when there's a new everything in the IFA. It's basically an entire new Israel Football Association. They could have a big talk with him. Um, you know, there's a lot of Israelis who who feel he's not worth bringing back. Um, well, there's a lot of Israelis who feel you got to bring him back. That's pretty mixed there. You know, you have the guys who you expect to really be a, a, a huge part of this team. And that would be, um, I'd say, in the back that would be, um, well, you know, that's the funny part. I don't know in the back. The back is probably the biggest question mark if you look at it because there's been guys who just haven't lived up to the par. Uh, Eli Dasa, I guess you would say, is a big part of the future at right back. I think there's no one who can take the position from him. Maybe 
Ben Beaton's a good person to push him in training with the national team, but it, Eli da, it's Eli Dasha's job. The goalkeeper, I guess, as of now, is Ariel Kharush's. Um, in the midfield, you definitely have Bibras and Almug, you know, if, if they're 100% healthy, healthy except, except Almug, Almug is now out for three months, so that's a huge blow. Um, on the wings, also it's hard to tell. You know, it's, there's a lot of there's been a lot of inconsistency. Rafaelov, it'd be great to have him on the national team, but he barely played for Club Bruges. Up front, I don't know. Like Khemed, you 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 say he he's a bunker, but if he's not playing, um, what do you do? I mean, do you let a, a younger guy in Israel or maybe Alon Turgeman who maybe starts scoring goals in Vienna? It's difficult, but undoubtedly, I think the guy who and we both agree on this, Jesse. The guy who really—it's his time now. He's—he's he's 26 years old. Um, you could argue he's the biggest star right now in Israeli football in terms of his transfer value and his market value. That's uh, Munas Dabur. He really has to take over this team. Uh, his numbers with the national team are not good. But to be fair to him, a lot of the time it's been because either he got injured or he didn't get called up in a controversial non-call-up. Yeah, yeah. There's no Right. He hasn't had a chance, but if this campaign could be his, the next two years should be his. There's good enough players to pass it to him. Um, you know, I think Bibras is at the end of his time. He's, he's not a young man. He's 30. So I think this is his last few years. Um, Almo Cohen and all those guys also are not so young. Uh, Baram Kayal and those guys are also not young. Tomer Chebin and all those guys are not that young. It'd be interesting to see if a player like Omri Altman could bounce back maybe in the winter. He had a bad knee injury, so he'll be out for a while. But guys like that, uh, just guys that, you know, Diaz Saba, you know, he's, he's had two massive years, one in the second division, one in the first division. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what he can do on the international stage. You know, I'm just, I'm not looking at a list right now, so I'm honestly just thinking off the top of my head. There could be players I missed, but. Uh, there is some good players. You know, Nier Beton will be back from his injury pretty soon. Uh, it looks like he's going to be part of their plans. Celtic play a lot of games in the season because you know they make the finals of both Cups in Scotland, and you know they're going to play European football, and the Scottish season is long. So Nier will get his chances. I'm not sure he'll play 30 games, but he will play uh, because there's just too many competitions to not have him play. But it's also, I feel also for him that he's kind of, reached his level with uh celtic like it's if he doesn't move to a big club soon and he gets out of favor at celtic before you know it he could be in like a mid-table team in scotland you see that with a lot of guys in scotland they were at celtic for a bit and maybe they don't never reach the peak or never get sold so i think it's his time to go to the championship or another league um but he can obviously with being injured so it's crazy a lot of key injuries buzaglo is is definitely yeah i mean he's back to training but he's had so many acl tears it's hard to see uh what he's gonna do um yeah i don't i don't know there's you know kenny saif it's a big shame about him because he moved to anderlich this summer on a big transfer almost four million euro and he would have been a great winger option to have but we don't have him Tobin Chaim is out for the entire first half of the campaign but honestly i don't see him be involved in it next year as in 2019 june 2019 because he had a very bad year last year and a torn acl this year so I, I think it'll take him a little to get used to and i also don't think that he'll be on sparta prague then and i think he'll have a lot of issues finding clubs after two years of 
no football, really. So a lot of key injuries, but it also gives a chance for the younger Israelis right now that uh, maybe are on the U21 team and will get some call-ups. Manor Solomon, we've been talking about for years. He's been linked with really everyone in the world press, Liverpool, Juventus, Monaco, everyone. Um, he needs to have a better season in Israel. You know, he needs to break out. But if he has good weeks, if he scores lots of goals with Perech Tikva, um, there's no reason that he shouldn't be on the national team, 100%. There's no reason. With a player like that, uh, if he's scoring a lot of goals in Israel, then he should. If he's not playing well in Israel, I don't think he should be on the national team. It's putting too much pressure on him. It doesn't help him. Uh, let him play well in Israel and then call him up. I think the call-ups last year when he was 17, 18 were a mistake. The same thing happened to Gaia Selene, and we all know how that turned out. He was called up when he was 17 um, and put a lot of pressure on him. So it's an exciting time. New people in charge. Hard to see what's going to happen. Um, some tough games. You know, Northern Ireland in the friendly is tough. Scotland is tough. Albania is tough. Those two games are obviously official matches. Very tough games. Good way to see what this team's made out of. Um, Herzog's going to have to get used to the very tough Israeli media. You know, there's only really six Israeli journalists that cover the national team at major media publications. Um, I'll have to get used to spending a lot of time with those guys. Those guys go on the road as well. When do you think he'll name um, the squad for for those matches you just mentioned? I think I, one of them is the first week of September, right? So I right. think maybe after the first match day, which is August 28th, I think, August 27th, some of that weekend. I, th I think that Monday, so August 29th, August 30th. Um, but maybe before because there's – I don't know. I, I think he'll wait. Um, obviously, most of the guys in Europe are by then will have played a bunch of rounds, especially, uh, you know, uh, in Vienna. You know, they're, they're already on week three, I believe, or week two. So, no, week three. And the Boers are already playing in Europe every week and playing. And so those guys will have a good chance. And obviously him being Austrian, he'll get a good chance to talk to some of his peers and colleagues, more so about uh, Tour Jaman. I mean, I don't think, you know, the Boer is an automatic call-up with the way he started the season. He's just started the season absolutely on fire and given Red Bull a chance to make uh, the Champions League, which is something they've been craving to do for many, many years now. It's been a huge thing that's been a big deal for them to make the Champions League. And they're off. they're doing pretty well so far. Last year they made it to the semifinals of the Europa League, which is a big, big breakout for, for them. Um, yeah, I wish I wish us luck. I wish our national team luck. It's a new time, new direction. Uh, I think for the good or the bad, a lot of these upcoming teams will be mostly players based in Israel. There's just not enough players abroad right now. Um, and you might see guys. I would. Uh, you might see guys that you're, you're not as familiar of, who've maybe had a good month and scored four goals. Let's say if they're a striker, and he just decides to give him a call up. Um, a lot of the guys are, have have been there and done that. Maybe it's time for something new. A lot of the players that we keep seeing called up have have had a lot of caps and they just haven't done it. Maybe it's time to give some younger players who are really hungry a chance, or at least you know put those two. Um, you know, put those two with uh, each other, some veterans with some younger players. But uh, we'll see. I think it's exciting times. Seasons around the corner. Europe is coming up. 
as well for some of the teams next week when we do our show we'll we'll know how many teams are in the third round of uh yeah third round right third round playoffs sorry right 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 Right. sorry about that um right of course it's mid-august so yeah the group stages are in a month already the first match so yeah it's coming to the end that's it i think for now Do a recap of uh after those matches but yeah i mean i think we we Covered a good amount on the new on the manager appointment, some of the guys that he might be able to select. And again, besides those European matches, there, ha- there hasn't been too much going on. So, yeah, next episode will be that much closer to the start of the season, that much closer to the national team guys being named, the squad for the uh, Nations League that we mentioned, and the friendly with Northern Ireland. So, yeah, as we get closer to the season, there'll be more and more to talk about. Um, but, yeah, I think that that'll do it here for episode three. So... Well, uh, thanks for joining us here, and we'll we'll see you guys for episode four. Clever touch. Brilliant.